Okay, Robert, how, uh, about how long are we thinking uh, being in the book of Judges? Was it helpful? Was it helpful? Yeah. Yeah. Did you do Homework uh, works is you just go look up the passage in the law and you go look up the passage in wherever else in the Bible and you say, hey, this is what's going on. Was it helpful? Did it make sense? Did everybody get it? I don't know if everybody got it, but everybody, everybody, uh, everybody do it. Um, so uh, the Bible is like a story. And it's like in a movie, if you get up in the middle of a movie and go get popcorn and get a drink and you come back, don't start asking everybody around you what happened because then it distracts everybody you checking along, right? You've got to stay with the movie the whole time. And in a movie, uh, the director, everything in a movie is there for a reason. Does that make sense? There's no missing parts, okay? so. You may not recognize why a scene is there uh, until you get further along in the movie, but it's it's going to come back around, and you're going to going to see why. So, so there are uh, I try to teach our students to be looking for a few things. Number one, every book in the Bible is dependent upon every previous book in the Bible. Right, so you can't understand Exodus without Genesis. Um, in fact, every part of the story, even in that book, is dependent upon what's come before. So you're not going to understand Genesis chapter 3 or 4 unless you have Genesis 1 and 2. Does that make sense? So it's, the story's on the move. Um, so that's, that's one part of it. The second part of it is each book, um, or particularly books written by a different author, can use... Um, <laughs> They can use the their own unique language, their own. So, for example, um, when Matthew tells his story of the gospel of Christ, the stories that he tells relate to the other stories that he tells. Okay, so when you're reading Matthew, you need to forget about Luke. Okay, in fact, the readers of Matthew didn't have Luke. All indications are that. The author of Luke had Matthew and Mark, but uh, the, the readers of Matthew and Mark didn't have Luke. Luke was written later. Does that make sense? Uh, same thing with the Gospel of John. Okay? Same thing with the epistles. Um, everything that Paul says to the Galatians relates to everything else Paul says to the Galatians, and it may not relate to what he says to the Philippians because he's dealing with a different issue with the Philippians. Okay? He may use the same. Uh, theology and examples, uh, but what he's saying to those people are specific to those people. Does that make sense? So, um, so try to keep those things in mind. But all of the, the books that come after uh, the law are, you not watch are dependent upon the law. Okay? When Jesus comes on the uh, uh, the scene in Matthew. Uh, five, six, and seven, Sermon on the Mount, uh, everything that he says and does is to be evaluated in light of the law. He says, do not think that I came to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so the way that he demonstrates that he is the promised Messiah is he does everything in accordance with the law. Um, and this is how the Pharisees always try to trap him. They try to trap him uh, by demonstrating that he's not keeping the law never works because he knows the law better than he, he is the author of it and uh, and so it never works for him. Is that is that tracking does that make sense? Okay. So turns to judges. Okay, here's here's something else. Turn to Judges chapter one. Let me show you. So we could do this in uh, we could do the book of Judges in uh, one session like we did last time. We could do it in you know, five minutes, briefly overview. We could do it in five years. Right. I don't want to go towards five years, um, mostly 
not because it wouldn't be valuable because if you do it for five years you're not doing something else for five years so we'll try to balance that but i want to just show you a little bit of how the bible uh, works as we uh, as we go through it so i want you to notice in chapter one of judges verses one really down through verse 20 talks about the failure of the tribe of judah to take the land The author of Judges is going to go right through each tribe and demonstrate how they failed to take the land. As they were instructed in the book of Joshua, uh, what's the one verse? Well, there's two verses everybody knows in Joshua. What's one? As for me and my house. Okay, that's the, that's the first one everybody knows. Okay, what's the second one? Be strong and courageous. Yeah, uh, Those are the only two verses anybody's got. In Joshua, you might tell me a third book, a third verse out of Joshua. Uh, well, but be strong and courageous. See, this is in uh, Joshua chapter one. Uh, be strong and courageous. And of course, that's where the quote ends, right? For you shall give this people possession of the land. Right. That, so that's what uh, Joshua is strong and courageous about. He's the leader. It's going to lead this people in possession of the land. Only be strong and very courageous and be careful to do according to all the law which Moses commanded you. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Uh, if you don't turn to the right or the left, then you will have success. What does success look like? Uh, then you may have success wherever you go. What's the context of that? Success wherever you go. Wherever you go where? In the land. Wherever you go in the land. So what does success look like as they go in the land? Conquering it. There you go. There you go, Julie. Yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of a t-shirt I saw. I said I can explain it to you, but I can't understand it for you. I can go slower, but you got to catch on here, right? And so these verses have a very small context. It's not you'll be successful wherever you go. It's you'll be successful wherever you go in the land to conquer the land as was instructed for the Lord. This goes back to the promise to Abraham. Uh, uh, you know, everywhere Abraham goes, uh, you know, that wherever he places his foot, that was to be a possession for him and for his descendants. So we're still talking about the same thing. So the question is, did the tribes follow the law? Did they follow the Lord, because if they follow the Lord, then they will have success in the land, conquering the land, as was uh, instructed for them to do, uh, and as they were expected to do. And so what the book of Judges is doing, as it begins in Judges chapter 1, is it goes through each uh, tribe and explains whether or not they had success, right? And so look at chapter 1, verse 19. Now the Lord was with Judah. And they took possession of the hill country. But they could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had iron chariots. Now, hold your finger. Go over to chapter 4. This is uh, Deborah and Barak. The sons of Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. After Ehud died, Ehud was the Judge who judged after Othniel in chapter 3. The sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. He judges them, sold them into the hands of uh, the King Jabin, the, the Canaanite. They cry out to the Lord. Uh, and so the Lord is going to raise up a judge. Okay. Now, uh, I want you to skip down uh, and uh, to verse, I don't know, 12. Let's go to verse 12. Uh, so in verse, well, verse 10, Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali together at Kadesh, 10,000 men, and they went up with him. So they go to battle against this king, against these kings that are oppressing them. They told Cicero uh, that Barak uh, and the son of uh, Abinoam had uh, gone up to the mountain. So Cicero called together his chariots, 900 of them. So, so this foreign leader who's oppressing Israel the general calls his 900 chariots together with all the people that were with him 
and uh, Deborah commands Barak, uh, Barak, arise uh, this day for the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Uh, so what you learn then is uh, uh, Israel routes uh, the nation, uh, routes the foreign leader, routes the general with 900 chariots. Okay, so are chariots a problem? Not no. No, chariots are not a problem. Chariots are not like kryptonite for Superman, for the Lord. Right? I, I could help you guys, but yeah, they got chariots. So, so what's going on back here in chapter one? When it says the Lord was with Judah, but they could not take possession of the land because they had iron chariots. What's that all about? Lack of faith. Yeah, and uh, so it is. Uh, it is a comment on Judah's excuse. Judah's excuse says, "Well, you know, we were doing everything the Lord told us to do, but they had chariots. What can we do?" Okay. Uh, yeah, they didn't have faith. Uh, Benjamin, uh, you know, chapter one, verse twenty-one. The sons of Benjamin did not drive out, uh, drive out the Jebusites. Okay, the Jebusites. Uh, Jebusites live in Jebus. That's why they call them Jebusites. <laughs> what was Jebus? Jerusalem. The city of Jebus is the city of Jerusalem. Okay, uh, and so Jerusalem is not going to be conquered until David's going to conquer Jebus. Now. That story's uh, that 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 city is going to come back around. Uh, you're going to run into the city of Jebus again in chapter 19, uh, and we'll uh, we'll learn more about what's going on there. Uh, but uh, you need to know that uh, that that Benjamin didn't conquer Jebus because it's going to come back up later in the story. Likewise, the house of Joseph went up against Bethel, and, was, uh, and the Lord was with him. The house of Joseph spied out Bethel and all this, and talks about uh, uh, that. And uh, let's get down to verse 28. It came about when Israel came, became strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not drive them out completely. Neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites who were living in Gezer. So the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. Okay, so I want you to notice that as we go down this transition or, or down this, this section of tribe-by-tribe tribe evaluation, it begins with the Canaanites living among the Israelites. And by the end of the story, by the end of the tribe evaluation, it's the Israelites living among the Canaanites. Okay. And so this is a total failure. Now, uh, what's going to happen if Israel fails to take the land completely? Hold your finger next to Deuteronomy chapter 7. This is uh, chapter 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God, remember this is Moses' last sermon to the second generation, the generation that's going to go in the book of Joshua and take the land, take possession of the land. So this is his instruction. This is his warning. When the Lord your God shall bring you into the land where you're entering to possess it, and shall clear away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, the Jebusites again, seven nations greater and stronger than you. And when uh, the Lord your God shall deliver you before them, you shall uh, defeat them. You shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, and you shall show them no faith. Utterly destroy them. What does that mean? Kill them all. Kill them all. Kill them all. Uh, you're going to get further instruction about this in Deuteronomy chapter 20. This is the, the warfare chapter. When you, uh, so let's, we'll come back to chapter 7. So look over in chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 20. There was instruction given to Israel on how they were to take the land, uh, how they were to operate with those nations that lived in the land, and how they were to operate with those nations that were outside the land. Uh, oh, let's see. When you approach a city to fight against it, you shall offer it terms of peace. It shall come about that if it agrees to make peace with you and opens up to you, then you shall uh, uh, 
uh, and it shall be that all the people who are found in it shall become forced labor for you. This is in chapter 20, verse 10. However, if it does not make peace with you, but it wages war against you, then you shall besiege it. When the Lord your God gives you in, uh, gives it into the hand, you shall strike the men with all the edge of the sword. Thus you tell, shall do, verse 15, to all the cities that are far away from you, which are not the cities of the nations nearby, only in the cities of the peoples uh, that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, you shall not leave anyone alive or anything alive that breathes. You kill man, woman, child, animals, okay, sheep. Uh, later in the story, do you remember uh, Saul? Right? Saul's going to go fight against the foreigner and, and he's going to keep the sheep, offer as a a sacrifice is that a problem? That is why. If it's breathing, you're supposed to kill it. Okay? Uh, but you shall utterly destroy them. Verse 17. The Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Just as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that they may not teach you to do the things that are detestable, which they've done for their gods. Okay, so if they don't kill them, what's going to happen? They'll follow them. They're going to follow the gods of the nation. All right? So go back to verse uh, chapter 7. Lord your God shall deliver them before you, shall destroy them. You shall not make no, uh, any covenant with them. Verse 3. Verse 4. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. Why? Because they'll turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will quickly destroy you. But thus you shall do to them. You shall tear down their altars. You shall tear, tear down their sacred pillars. You shall hew down their asherim and their graven images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord. Holy. What does that mean? Set apart. You're set apart. You're altogether different than everybody else. And you're all together different than everybody else because you follow a different God. Uh, the Lord your God has uh, chosen you to be a, a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love uh, on you nor choose you because you were more numerous than any of the peoples, but because you are fewer than all the people. Uh, because the Lord has loved you and to keep his oath that he swore to your forefathers. Which forefathers? The patriarchs. Isaac and Jacob, that they will possess the land, all that. See, so, so this all is dependent. All Everything that's happening in Judges is dependent upon what's become previously. So when Israel doesn't take the land, what do you expect? What's going to happen? Uh, the Canaanites are going to lead them astray. They're going to follow their gods. The Lord's, uh, the, the angler of the Lord is going to be kindled against Israel, and he's going to start wiping them out. Deuteronomy chapter 28, Deuteronomy chapter uh, 30. It's all spelled out in great detail. Okay? So uh, in chapter 1, you've got the failure of Benjamin at 121, then the failure of the tribe, tribes of, uh, of Joseph, 22 through 29. Then Zebulun uh, did not drive out the inhabitants, verse 30. So the Canaanites lived among them and became subjects to forced labor. Then Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Akron. And the Asherites lived among the Canaanites. You see that switch? The inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh. The Amorites, uh, verse 34, uh, forced the sons of Dan into the hill country. They didn't allow them to come into the valley. Uh, but they persisted in living with. Uh, so uh, so the, the author of the book of Judges goes down through every tribe and says all of them failed. Okay. Then, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bakim, and he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I swore to your fathers. Okay, this is the angel of the Lord speaking. You with me? Okay, hold your finger. The angel of the Lord. Uh, go back to Exodus. We missed. We went out for popcorn on this part of the movie, so let's go catch up. Okay. Go back to Exodus, 
chapter 33. Actually, it picks up uh, in chapter uh, 32. Uh, in chapter 32, um, uh, Moses is up there uh, interceding for Israel, pleading their case before the Lord. Lord, don't kill them all. And the Lord spoke to Israel or spoke to Moses in verse 9, 32, uh, part 32, 7. Go down at once, speak to this people who brought you, uh, uh, whom uh, you brought out of the land of Egypt. Uh, they have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. And they've made the molten calf, right? So remember, the, uh, they made the, the, the molten calf. And so he goes down there. He intercedes. Uh, then Moses uh, said to Aaron, what do, do I have to do with you? Uh, verse 21, uh, the Lord says, look, here's the problem. I'm going to kill them all. Moses says, don't do it. The Lord says, no, I'm going to kill them all, and I'll start over with you. Moses says, no, you can't because you made promise. Then uh, the Lord said to Moses, verse 33, whoever sinned against me, I will blot out uh, blot him out from my book, verse 34. Uh, but go now, lead my people where I told you, behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish them, I will punish them for their sin. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, depart from here, you and the people uh, whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt. Uh, to the land which I swore to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send an angel before you, and he will drive out the Canaanites and the Hittites. He'll drive out all the ites, okay? Uh, Moses says, if you're not going, I'm not going. And uh, Basically, the Lord ends up answering Moses, saying, well, you're not going anyway. <laughs> you know, so, so the angel of the Lord uh, is going to lead Israel into the land. Okay, so you know the story. Moses dies, right? Okay, turn it over to Joshua chapter 5. Right, so uh, so Israel, uh, so Moses, uh, the first generation dies, the second generation is raised up. Uh, Moses is at the end of his life. Moses now dies. Uh, Moses uh, preaches the book of Deuteronomy, the last sermon to them, and now Joshua comes on the scene. It came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Uh, that the Lord spoke to Joshua. So Joshua is taking Moses' place, okay? Turn over to Joshua chapter 5. It came about, 513. It came about when Joshua was by Jericho, lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, neither, I indeed, uh, am, uh, I, I indeed come now as a captain of the hosts of the Lord, hosts. Uh, this is the, uh, the Lord of hosts. You know this phrase, the Lord of hosts. The, the word there in Hebrew for hosts is sabaoth. It's uh, got a, it's, it's the word for army. Armies of the Lord. Which armies of the Lord? The angels of the Lord. The angels, the armies. It's 11 o'clock. And so uh, he comes as the Tsar. Tsar, uh, the word here for Tsar is, uh, you know, uh, Sarah, the name Sarah. Sarah is princess. Okay. The AH at the end of Sarah makes it feminine. Does that make sense? Uh, so Tsar would be a prince, Sarah would be a princess. Okay. So a Sar is a captain or a prince or the, a leader. So he's the leader of the armies uh, of the Lord. Tracking? Um, he's the angel that's going to lead them in. Now, hold your finger there. When's the next time that you see this Sar show up, this leader, captain of the uh, host. Well, he's he's identified himself here as the captain. He's the one that leads the nation in. Uh, he's the defender, the leader of Israel. Um, if you go to Daniel chapter 12, go to Daniel chapter 12. 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. It came about, uh, uh, now at that time, chapter 12, verse 1 and then, that Michael, the great prince, who stands guard over the sons of your people, great prince, what do you think that word is? Sar. Yeah. This is Michael, the great prince. So Michael is the angel who's going to lead Israel in, apparently. All right. This is the great prince, the leader, who's going to uh, lead them in and the defendant. Okay, so back to Judges chapter 2. Okay. Uh, now, this isn't hard to figure out if you just read it as a continuous story. Um, so in chapter 2, Judges chapter 2, now the angel of the Lord, this is the one who's promised to Moses, who's going to lead Israel in, who appears to Joshua in the burning bush. I'm sorry, in the, there in the, in the, uh, the same angel that appears in, in the burning bush with, to, uh, uh, to Moses in chapter 3 of Exodus, appears to, uh, to Joshua. He says, I brought you up out of Egypt. I led you into the land, which I swore to your fathers. And I, uh, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. So that, remember the angel uh, is a messenger. That's what angel means is messenger. And so when you're talking to the angel, the angel is speaking the words of the Lord. As for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars. This is all in chapter 20 and chapter 7 of Deuteronomy. But you have not obeyed me. What is this you've done? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become as thorns in your side, and their gods shall be a snare to you. And it shall come about that when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the sons of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. So they named the place Bakim. What do you think Bakim means? Weeping. Weeping. <laughs> There's no genuine names. There's no like. Uh, really original names here. Uh, he was happy. Uh, she was happy because she had a son, so she named him Happy, Asher, right? God has judged, so she named him Dan, Judge. Uh, uh, God gave uh, her another one, so she named him Yaso, to add to, give another one. Right? All the names are like that, okay? So they named the place Weeping, and there they sacrificed to the Lord. And when Joshua had dismissed the people, the sons of Israel, uh, they went each to his inheritance, to the possession, to, the, to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had uh, seen all of the great works of the Lord, all that the Lord had done for Israel. But Joshua dies, they bury him, and then verse 11 the sons of Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, served the foreign gods. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers. Uh, they brought them into the land of Egypt, and they followed the, after the gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, and they bowed down to them, and thus they provoked the Lord to anger. Uh, what you're going to see is that very quickly, Israel will desert the Lord and go follow other gods. You think, well, how does that happen in one generation? Well, how was someone supposed to learn the Bible during this time? Did anybody have a copy of the Bible? No. Well, some people did. Who did? The priest did. Who else? The king. Deuteronomy chapter 17, the king was supposed to go to the priest, get, get the Bible, you know, get the scrolls, make a copy for himself, and was to read it all of his days. Okay? Uh, the priests were supposed to teach who? They're supposed to teach the, the elders. The elders teach the youngers. None of this is new in the New Testament. None of it. Okay? Older men were to teach the younger, younger men. Who were the men to teach? Their families. Yeah. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart and shall teach them diligently to your sons. 
So if the fathers don't teach the sons, then what happens? One generation, it's gone. One generation. This happens over and over and over in Israel. So they reject the Lord. They go follow other gods, gods of the nation. So what does the Lord do? Discipline. He zaps them. Or the covenant says, look, you follow me, I will bless you in the land. You don't follow me, I'll kill you. I'll kill every one of them. It will bring joy to my heart to wipe you off the planet. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Uh, man, that doesn't sound right. Okay, well, let me read it to you. Uh, it shall come about. This is in chapter 28, verse 63. Israel's disobedience. It shall come about that just as the Lord delighted over you to prosper you and to multiply you, so the Lord will delight over you to make you perish and to destroy you so that you will be torn from the land which you're entering to possess. Moreover, the Lord will scatter you among the peoples from one end of the earth to the other. What is that? Where are the Jews today? Scattered. Uh, the word there for scattered is uh, diaspora. James writes to the 12 tribes dispersed. Reading. Well, I thought I'd tell you something, right? How'd they get dispersed? We're reading the story. This is exactly how they got dispersed, okay? So, they go follow the gods of the nations. The Lord judges them. The Lord sends upon them uh, war and famine and plagues and enemies. Uh, foreign nations, foreign armies, they haul them off into, for, into exile, scatter them among the nations, so that Israel will do what? Repent. Repent. What does that mean, repent? Give me another word. You turn. Return to the Lord. Reject the gods of the nation and return to the Lord. Um, the word there is return. It's not turn to the Lord, it's return to the Lord. How can they return? They can return because they were in covenant relationship. Okay, So Israel rejects the Lord, goes to the other gods. They get judged, so they are to return to the Lord. When they return to the Lord, he will return them from captivity. It's the same word. Okay? Uh, Gentiles cannot return to the Lord because they never knew the Lord. Uh, repentance or returning is something that happens after you have a relationship. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So turns to the Lord is one thing, but to return is, is different. Okay? So in the book of Acts, uh, Peter will preach to the Jews and he will tell them to do what? Repent. Return to the Lord your God. Mm -hmm. uh, what does Peter say when he preaches to Gentiles? Turn. Believe. Believe. Seek. Yeah, yeah. Believe in, in the Lord. Okay. So, all right. So, is it making sense? Everybody track along and making sense? Okay. So, uh, back to, to chapter two. Sons of Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is going to introduce what we're going to call the cycles. Uh, and people will talk about the cycles of sin in the book of Judges. Israel does evil in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord judges them. They repent, return to the Lord, and the Lord relents. Relents from what? From judging them. How does he relent from judging them? But how does that play out in real life? Okay. He raises up a deliverer, a judge, who will go and deliver them from the hands of the enemy and bring them back. Okay, so this is the function of the judges. Uh, when he judges them, uh, the foreign uh, the foreigners come upon him, uh, upon Israel. They uh, they you know uh, subjugate Israel. They judge Israel. Uh, when Israel repents, he raises up a deliverer who will come and deliver them from their enemies. Okay. Now fast forward. All of this is setting the context for what's going to happen in the New Testament. Right? Uh, Israel in the New Testament is judged. Have they been judged? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, the judgment of the uh, Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Medes and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans. And so they're still under the judgment of the Romans. 
uh, and Christ comes. And he says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest from what? War. Rest from the hand of the enemy. Right? Uh, rest from the judgment that is upon them by God, who has raised up their enemies to come and judge Israel. Uh, and so uh, Israel is looking for a deliverer. To deliver them from what? God's wrath. Well, from, yeah, from God's wrath and from the hands of the enemy. Okay. Uh, so salvation in the New Testament is not it's not a direct path to salvation saved for your sins. The judgment for their sins is the coming of the enemy. They repent, and so they're delivered from their uh, from their judgment that, it, that has come upon them. That, what does that deliverance look like? It looks like, like the Roman soldier on the corner is no longer on the corner. That's what it looks like. Uh, the uh, Satan's minions are no longer in the land. You will have rest in the land. Rest from what? Rest from your enemies. Who are the enemies? Satan. Satan's king. Our deliverance, our future deliverance, is not only a deliverance from God's wrath, but a deliverance from the enemy, mm -hmm. from all the enemies. You, you know, uh, Psalm 1. Remember Psalm 1? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's, so I've introduced, you're going, okay, so I, I, this ought to be a shock for you, because you're going, wait a second, I haven't heard this. I thought I was saved from my sin. Well, you are, but you're saved from the penalty of your sin, death, right? Um, this whole story is about deliverance from the enemy, deliverance from the curses put upon creation by the Lord, uh, resurrection from the dead and eternal life. Okay? Uh, so let's take a pause, time out, intermission. It's not a popcorn break, different kind of intermission. And look at uh, Psalm 1. Okay? Uh, okay. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scoffer. Okay? Back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall speak of them as you walk and as you sit, and as you lie down and as you rise up. So the meditation of your heart was to be on the law all the time. Not, right, so stand, sit, walk. Not walking in the way of the wicked, sitting in the seat of the scoffer or standing over there in the path of the sinner. Do you see the contrast, right? Uh, everything you, uh, every, uh, where you go, everywhere you sit, everywhere you stand, your meditation is on the law, not over there with the scoffers, over there with the sinners. Chapter uh, Psalm 1, verse 2. But, contrast, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaves do not wither, and whatever it does, it prospers. Not so with the wicked, for they are like the shaft which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Okay, when are the righteous ultimately assembled? At the throne. Resurrection, right? In the resurrection. Do you see any sinners there? Any wicked people there? You'll look for their place. See, the enemies have been eradicated from the land. Uh, Christ comes not just to save from sin, but to deliver from the enemy. Israel gets this. They just don't want the repentance part. Okay. Um, making sense? Okay. So all this is so when the, the messianic anticipation of an Israelite, of a Jew, is deliverance from their enemies. Uh, rest in the land, resurrection in the land, eternal life in the land, in the land of promise. For, uh, for the Gentile who's been raised in some church, probably, uh, 
salvation looks like, I don't know, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, therefore I'm saved. If you ask what that means, they have no idea. I'm saved from my sin. Okay. How's that work? Have you been delivered from your sins? Should have been with me yesterday. Seeing it in living color. I have not been delivered from my sin. I was taught, I was not a good day yesterday. I was walking across the, uh, uh, the, the walk here. My phone dials my sister. Uh, FaceTime, FaceTimes, you know, in my in my pocket dials my sister. She's trying to cheer me up. She says, she says, "Boy, you're Debbie Downer today." I said, "No, I'm not Debbie Downer. I'm Peter Pissed." <laughs> it was not a good day. Nothing was good about it. Yeah, oh, have I been delivered from my sins? I wish. I wish. Uh, but it's coming. Right? It's coming. And so when we understand what we're actually anticipating and looking forward to, it all changes. So back to Judges. Judges chapter 2. So Israel does evil in the eyes of the Lord, cause, uh, brings judgment. Uh, you know, the Lord judges them for the purpose of repentance. Think about when someone is disciplined in the church, why? So they don't right? It's all about returning, recognizing you you blew it and returning. Uh, and then once they return, then what? We're good. That was the whole purpose to get you to return. What's you know done is done. Forget it. Okay, so so introducing the cycles of sin. So uh, Israel would do evil in the lives of the Lord. They would forsake, uh, forsake the Lord their God, serve the gods of the nations, verse 14. Then the anger of the Lord would burn against them. Uh, and he would give them into the hand of the plunderers, and they would plunder them. They'd be sold into the hand of their enemies so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil. Okay. Um, In, the Romans are not Israel's problem. Are you with me? The Babylonians are not Israel's problem. The Assyrians are not Israel's problem. Uh, the enemy is not Israel's problem. Well, the enemy is Israel's problem. Um, who's their enemy? Satan. Oh, they have put themselves against the Lord. They've rejected the Lord and gone over to Satan's team. And now their enemy is the Lord. Their problem is the Lord. The hand of the Lord is against them for me, for evil. And so he sends, he uses Satan's team to judge them. They think they're over there helping themselves out, but they can't deliver themselves. Okay? Let me read something to you. This is back in Deuteronomy chapter 32. This is uh, right in the midst of Israel being judged by the Lord. Um, uh, see, this is in chapter 32, verse uh, 39. Israel is uh, instructed, see now, I am he, I am the Lord. There is no God besides me. This is what the Lord wants them to understand. There is no God besides me. Remember, they've gone, ran over to the other gods. So he asked, okay, where are these gods that you ran off to? These gods that you sought refuge in, verse 38 who ate the fat of your sacrifices, who drank the wine of your love, let them rise up, let them be your help. Verse 39, see now that I am he, see now that I am, there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and I who give life, I who have wounded and it is I who heal. There is no one who can deliver you from my hand, says the Lord. Your problem isn't the Romans. Your problem is the hand of the Lord is against you. Listen to Paul's words. While we, speaking for Israel, while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. Mm. See, Israel became the enemy of the Lord. And so he sends his son to die for his enemy. Now, talking about Israel, so Israel goes over and joins the enemy's team. Now, 
we were already there. We were Gentiles, so we were already on Team Satan from the get-go. That's what that's what the Gentiles were doing. But Israel in the Old Testament goes over there and joins Team Satan. And so the Father sends the Son to go save them from their sins, to deliver them from the hands of the enemy. But they must repent, returns to the Lord, and he will restore them from captivity, and he will have compassion on them. They don't repent. And so then the Lord takes the good news of the deliverance of Christ to the Gentiles. Is making sense? Deliverance mm -hmm. from the enemy, from the curses put on creation of sin and death and sorrow and suffering and sickness and tears and all that. And that deliverance is coming. Not yet. You have not yet been delivered. You have the promise of a future deliverance, but you have not yet been delivered from sin and sorrow and sickness and suffering and death and tears. But it's coming. And who's going to bring it? Christ. When is he going to bring it? When he comes again. When he returns. At his return, you will be raised. For no more sin, no more sickness, no more sorrow. So Paul is going to tie resurrection from the dead with defeat of the enemy. And the last enemy to be defeated is death. Corinthians 15. Is this tracking? Is this making sense? Okay, so we want to connect the, the dots for you so, so you see this. So the Israel's the judgment of the Lord upon Israel. Uh, it's it's already been proclaimed on the nations. The Gentiles are already suffering oppression by the enemy, sin, sickness, sorrow, suffering, death, and all that stuff. All the while, Satan's telling you that this is great. Okay? Uh, you can have it all now. Meanwhile, you have nothing now. So that's chapter two, Judges chapter two. When Israel sins, they're going to be judged. For the purpose of uh, by bringing the enemy, the Lord's going to use the enemy to judge them because no one can deliver Israel from the hands of the Lord. It is I who judge, I who, uh, you know, I who wound, I who heal, I who put to death, I who give life. There is no one who can deliver you from my hand. Let me show you a, a passage real quick, and we're going to uh, Isaiah chapter one. Isaiah chapter 1. Okay, what's going on in Isaiah? Well, what we've done is we fast-forward into Israel's history. We fast-forwarded past the judges who have failed, past the kings, past... So now Israel's uh, going to be judged. The Lord's bringing the, uh, the nations upon Israel. Uh, and so he, uh, ex he explains what he's done. He says, a last sinful nation. Chapter 1, verse 4 of Isaiah. People weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, seeds of evildoers. Okay, what side has Israel gone and joined? They've gone to the seed of the serpent. Mm -hmm. Sons who have acted corruptly, they have abandoned the Lord. In, in light of, uh, in favor of who? Satan. God, yeah, Satan, gods of the nations. And in so doing, they've despised the Holy One of Israel. They've rejected the Lord, they've rejected his Christ. They've turned away from him. They turned away. What do they need to do? Turn back. <laughs> they need to return. Uh, there, uh, where will they be stricken again? As they continue in their rebellion, the whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there's nothing sound in it. Only bruises and welts and raw wounds. It is I who wound and I who heal. Who's wounded them? God. Yeah, who's caused all these bruises and welts and raw wounds to come upon them? The Lord God. Not pressed out, not bandaged, not soft and softened with oil. Your land is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields, strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is a desolation as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. Jesus is going to tell a parable about a vineyard. Where do you think he's getting that? Israel. Look at Isaiah chapter 5. Let me sing a song now for my beloved, my song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. What's the vineyard? It's the nation. It's, it's the city of Jerusalem. And the parable that Jesus tells 
is this vineyard, uh, and this uh, this vineyard is sent these servants, and the people in the vineyard kill the servants. He says, "Here's what I'll do: I'll send my son." Well, then they kill his son. Where's Jesus getting this story? Um, the extent to which you know the Old Testament is the extent to which you'll know the New. All right, is this helping? Okay, so next week, uh, we're going to pick up in Judges chapter 3. Um, and uh, we're going to begin with uh, 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 we'll, we'll finish chapter 2. And then we'll we'll pick up uh, with uh, with Othniel, the judge Othniel. Now I want you to go also and uh, read um, Joshua chapter. Uh, I want you to read Joshua chapter twenty three, also. Uh, I think it's Joshua chapter. I think it's twenty three. Send an email with the assignment. I will send an email with the assignment. Joshua chapter twenty three. Also, Joshua chapter fifteen. Joshua chapter fifteen, uh, verses thirteen through nineteen. Okay, this story of Othniel, Caleb and Othniel, is told in Joshua chapter 15 and in, uh, in Judges uh, chapter 3. So uh, read that. I'll send you out an email, but we'll uh, pick up and we'll start looking at these judges. Basically, you're going to see in every judge, it's going to begin with Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. What's going to come next? Judgment. They're going to get judged. Then what are they going to do? Repent. They're going to repent. And then what? The, what's the Lord going to do? He's going to be a judge okay, <laughs> to, to deliver. And then that, and it's going to be fine for that generation. And then that generation is going to die. And guess what Israel is going to do? Evil in the eyes of the Lord. And what's the Lord going to do? Judge him. Then what are they going to do? Repent. And what he what he's going to do? Send us a letter. Uh, but along the way, the judges are going to get worse. The repentance is going to get less. And by the time you get to Samson, they do evil. He judges them. Samson does evil in the eyes of the Lord. The people don't cry out, and he doesn't deliver. Mm. That's where we're headed with the judges. Does that make sense? Okay, we'll close word of prayer. Lord, thanks for our time. And for the opportunity to come together. Thanks for the great weather here and uh, today to spend together and, and uh, study. Thank you that, uh, that you love us, uh, that you want what's best for us, and, uh, and ultimately that uh, the return of your son, deliverance, eternal life. And so we look forward to that. We thank you for our time together. Encourage us as we go in Christ. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next, uh, we will send out an email, send out emails for. Uh,